Hello, and welcome to Circle Theory, where we talk in metaphorical and literal circles. I'm Taffy. Hi, and I'm Ida. This is a bit of a first episode. This might be the first episode you've ever heard. So we're just going to wing it, introduce you to who we are um, and what we're all about and what Circle Theory is all about. First, we're going to go into some news. Yes. So, dear listener, I have no idea what this news is. So you're going to get my surprise reaction to whatever Taffy has going on. For a very long time, I've been trying to get a very specific domain on the internet. Um, and you can go to the, that domain I've been trying to get because I got it. I got taffyart.com. So, um, uh, Ida, you can pull it up right now if you want to check out my in progress right now. Uh, yes. Are you are you going to put the prints? Um... Yes, I'm going to sell the prints on there. So also, uh-huh. I just finished an art piece, which I am calling self-reflection at 1.54 p.m., um, and the prints are not released yet, but the first 15 that I'm going to be selling are going to be signed and they're selling for $30 each. Oh, and I see yeah. <laughs> the print as the front banner. I know it's not finished yet. So, um, but that's exciting news. And we're hopefully going to be hosting our podcast on my website. If you're listening to this right now, you probably can see our logo with uh, Ida and I in front of Circle Theory, um, kind of like a pink and purple, uh, very vibrant colors. Um, so I had finished a, a lot of like the um, getting music, you know, creating some advertisement materials for our podcast, but I really didn't have a place for the podcast to go. Well, I'm happy to announce that we've got a place for the podcast to be uploaded to, and you should be uh, introduced to what Circle Theory is. And uh, we're going to go into a bit about what circle theory actually is. So I have known Ida for a very long time. Um, how many years would you say that it's been now? Oh, my. I What is it? I, I don't. I honestly don't know how long we've known each other. I would say at least like seven years, right? Like at least seven or eight. Seven or eight. But then you also have to count the fact that we've we knew each other. But we didn't know know each other. We we really weren't friends until like a little bit later on. Ida and I met each other in middle school. Yes. Um, And I would say that we started to become friends then, but we really started to hang out maybe like sophomore, junior of high school. We started to hang out more routinely. Basically senior year, you were my best friend. because Oh yeah, definitely. We just ended up everywhere together. You were the funnest person. (laughs) things just never matched up (laughs) we never our schedule never matched up for whatever reason and dear listener this isn't to make it sound like I was the busy one here Taffy was like part of the swim team and had like other commitments we were both you know what we are at one point I was in three different clubs yeah Um, but I don't, I don't know if I was in three at the same time. I just know that I was in at least two at a time because I was in, I was the president of digital media productions, my final two years. And I, but I was in the club the first two years, but then I was always in game club. And then you did volleyball club in the middle of, that wasn't much of a club though. No, that was just us hanging out and playing volleyball. Um, anyways. Um, so as you can see, there's a bit of a history between Ida and I, um, and, we are both literature nuts. Yes. We um, absolutely love talking about theory and writing. We're also just giant nerds, to be fair. 
completely fair because it takes a real fucking nerd to um, do uh, writing stuff on your own time, doesn't it? Like, not even do it on your own time, but to like actually like go through and be like, man, my work is garbage. Yeah, I I have I've gone through quite a few things recently, um, and been like, man, I did not, I could not write. So uh, yeah. hopefully that brings in a bit of perspective now. Um, both Ida and I are writers, um, not professional, but hopefully soon. Um, but we're big readers as well, um, and we're I've done a lot of study in Shakespearean analysis and feminist theory. Um, my boyfriend is also a philosopher, so I've got quite a few <laughs> theory things from him. Um, maybe we can hear from him one of these days because uh, he definitely has some interesting takes um, on reading because it's one perspective to have like a writer's opinion about something, but like a reader and a philosopher, it's completely different. Yeah. And then you have my perspective where I've, I read more um, science-based things this is to say reader currently on my desk I have the complete dog breed book from DK publishing with like the high quality prints and everything it's right next to me um that's what I do on my spare time I go and read about dogs or the cosmos or you know the fifth postulate I'm pretty sure that I had the what is it? I had the DK handbooks for dogs, but like, like the 2000s one, not, you probably have like the 2012 one. No, I have the 2021. This is the new edition. The newest edition? See, yeah. I'm just a big old dork. I used to look at those books all the time because I thought that I wanted to be a, um, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian for the longest time. And so I would just read things, learn facts, look at pictures. It was great. Um, I was, so I wanted to be a veterinarian and then I realized I'm allergic to like every animal. <laughs> so now I'm just like, okay, I'll just stick to pictures and the one or two pets that I can possibly own. Well, I wanted to get a snake and my sister said she would disown me. No, that would be bad. Well, the rats, thankfully, uh, not allergic to the rats that was a concern that I had when I first got those so I'm a happy pet owner of five little ratties they're all girls and they're nuts but I love they're them they're very very cute they're very cute I just put a sticker above their little cage that says dumb babies <laughs> <laughs> so dear listener you might be a little confused me and Taffy are not in the same space we're actually about what do you what would you say 200 miles apart I'd say about 200. That makes sense. We're about okay. th what three or four, three or four hours away. Maybe like three. I think three is more accurate. Yes. So we, we are quite a distance away from each We're other. still in the same state though. California. Yes. Ooh. For now. Um, but California is such a gigantic state that it really does not feel like the same even country. Like when you go from like the North to the South um, and I'll be moving very soon. Yeah. So the nuttiest thing is she's moving. But she's still going to be the same distance apart from me. Yeah, just because I'm going on the other side of where Ida is. Um, one thing I did want to say was 
one of the reasons why we call this podcast circle theory is because we have the tendency to ramble on and on and on. And if you don't mind that, then you are welcome to our podcast. Welcome to our little family of writers and literature people um, that just want to talk about shit, you know, and just listen to shit. Um, But um, if you're not okay with that, totally fine this is mostly just a a pet project for ida and i and if it gains any traction fantastic but we are going to be talking about some like deeper topics and um more in-depth stuff that you probably wouldn't get unless you listen to i would say like the earlier episodes i think as we get further on in we're gonna tackle some like deeper ideas that won't be as easy to pick up on if you don't listen to earlier episodes Um, that's Um, the only thing just because we want to keep building on on our projects yeah so we have a tendency to not want to revamp things we've already talked about so we, we just keep building and building so there's going to be a lot of you know things well I think that's like the beauty of having your own website Right. And, and um, Ida and I are both uh, long form, long form uh, writers. Yes. And so the difficulty is long form in a podcast is quite difficult because we do want to keep the timing somewhat. Um, we don't want to have these two hour long chunks that we expect you to listen through. Um, we appreciate your time to begin with. Um, everyone values their time. So we do try to keep stuff down to a minimum, but we, we always uh, recommend media at the end of each episode. So if you're just looking for media recommendations, you can scrub to the last, let's say five minutes and or listen to our recommendations. Our, our script notes. Our yeah, notes. we will have script notes for uh, every episode. So if you would rather just skim what we're talking about that day and then just pop into the parts that you want to hear, um, we often do a bit of storytelling and then we go into a discussion about that. Um, and then based on our, uh, topic for that week, then we go into, uh, recommendations and then our outro. Yes. So dear listeners, um, that's us really. (laughs) I mean, I mean, in a small nutshell, I mean, it's kind of hard to encompass just people into a small a uh, small little tidbit, huh? Yeah. Well, because I just picked up a book off of the side of my desk mm-hmm. while you were talking. And I've just realized. So, dear listener, please let me read to you the title of this book. A Natural History of Language, The Power of Babel by John McWhorter. This mm-hmm. book is on my desk and I absolutely hate it. <laughs> What's wrong with that book? I like the title, but... um. Oh my gosh, he goes on. So this is a, the reason I was reading this book in the first place is for um, is for one of my college classes. Yeah. Um, and so when you're reading a textbook, you're like, okay, what information do I need to learn? Right. Mm-hmm. You don't want like a f- paragraph about some inane topic, and then like it takes him five whole pages to get to like his main point in the first chapter and I'm just sitting there going okay you've made your point could you please make a point 
he refuses to make a point throughout the entire he's just talking yeah and like oh my gosh the worst part is um is on the this is this is how you know like a book cannot stand on its own content the Mm -hmm. front like the front cover has a quote from somebody else about a book that the uh, the author had written that is not this book it is a different book what yes you want me to read the quote because it's hilarious Yeah. yeah go ahead mccorder's arguments are sharply reasoned refreshingly honest thoroughly original and befitting a book on language they are lucidly and elegantly expressed what kind of generic like you just want to add not to the end (laughs) not (laughs) wow really lucidly and elegantly expressed you know that's what i want in my textbook to be lucid and elegant you know not direct and (laughs) information who do they get to write these fucking textbooks right it's always english textbooks too Hmm. always english textbooks and so dear listener i'm like sitting there with it on the side of my desk just staring at it in complete hatred wow well because here's here's my question to Mm. the wide world why can't we teach english the same way we teach science because honestly language is a science I mean, but language, you could say that there is, um, you don't start learning language in the classroom. You start learning language as an infant, you know, um, in, in the home. Um, and that's why there's such a different approach to language. I mean, uh, when we get to like the higher levels of, of English, I understand a scientific approach, but um, I would say that at least in the in the early formation of language, we can't really treat it like a science. But here's the thing. We as adults should for the benefit of children, because you have to understand that not all children learn the same. That's true. Like for me, I'm dyslexic, dear read, um, dear listener. So for me, when I'm reading something, I can't process it as a collection of sounds. So whereas you would hear apple as app ap p-e-l you could you could sound out that word for me i have to think of it like a combination lock so a-p-l-e yes So so i have to think of it like a combination lock and remember it in sequence it it's like um you have to rely on memorization and not the sounds themselves. Right. And so, you know, how do we integrate this into learning? Why is our education system the same way it's always been since like the 50s? You know, back when we used to put people away for being gay. I mean, it's very similar to, oh, sorry. Sorry if there was like a sound there. Um, But the system hasn't even changed that far, that much since even further back. Um, I would say that even the industrial revolution, there is a lot of similarities like the bell system, 
um, and keeping like students there for that um, eight hours of time. Now, I've recently been looking back on my school education um, and realized that I, at least in elementary school, I was at school for 12 hours a day. I was there from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. Um, because the school had a before and after school program that parents could just drop their kids off at and then come pick them up. It was convenient for like parents who didn't work the specific like times that, you know, like school was in. But um, instead, you also get kids that their parents just leave them there, you know. Um, And so there is a lot of neglect that is happening within the school system, both by the school themselves and also by the community. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering who cares about these kids? Who, who actively cares about these kids? Because if it's not the parents and it's not the school system, who gives a shit about these kids? And, and I'm wondering why don't we care about our kids more? Why? <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, because if you realize it, kids, so before the Industrial Revolution, kids were considered to be valuable. They were your labor force. They were your um, offspring. They would build upon what you have done. Mm -hmm. Then there was a cultural shift where children started to become a liability. and even today, we, we think of kids as, um, and I hate saying this, and I'm going to sound like a supervillain here, but you know what? Screw you. Um, kids have become a financial burden. And they're not considered something that you, they're not an investment anymore. They're more of a sinkhole, if you will. Right. So here, how do we change that? Perspective? Well, and, and, and that's, that's because of the way that capitalism has moved our market. You know, it's, it's forced all of us having to think about everything in a financial motive. You know, if, if you can't even feed yourself, how can you consider raising a child? And, you know, and yeah, it's not like you can just stop kids from existing. I mean, you could. I mean, birth control is a thing, but like, <laughs> I mean, other I'm people trying like, to be morally objective here, and I'm like, I don't want to be full supervillain. Um, I don't think it's supervillain. I just think it's the actual left. You know what I mean? Like, people talk about how you know the the left is so uh, villainous, so like, and um. They're socialists, they're communists. Well, the left in America is not actually left. It's it's actually kind of right-leaning. Um, if you want to meet the real socialists, uh, turn on your podcasts. <laughs> you got to go to Amsterdam, like Denmark, the Netherlands. Brandon's been Norway, there. I have not. What am I saying? I want to go to Norway, honestly. Oh, I had one of my um, ex-boyfriends offered... Um, He's like, hey, do you want to run away to the Netherlands with me? And I'm like, no, not really. Uh, it's a him problem, right? It's like, I'd love to go to Norway. Not for you, though. No, no, it wasn't him. He's he's lovely, by the way, listeners. I'm, I'm still friends with all my exes. Just Which is a rarity. Is a rarity. Is a rarity, yes. 
most people, you know, don't talk to their exes once they break up. Me, I, I still have very a very good relationship with them. I just would never date any of them again. See, that's the issue is that people, they don't want to talk with their exes again because they're afraid that they're going to uh, either the other person is going to catch feelings again or they're going to catch feelings again. Thankfully, you've been able to, uh, you know, curtail that. So you haven't well, had that issue. Well, dear listener, my emotional journey has been extreme. So I'm coming to realize the fact that I am emotionally an ace. So <laughs> asexual. Yeah. For me, when it comes to a relationship, it's an actual relationship. Like I need. You're, it's more emotional for you. Like the emotional commitment is more important. It's more of the, yeah, I'm down for the collaborative effort and less there for the exchange of fluids I, I don't like fluids that's fair I mean you get a lot of diseases from the exchange of fluids so um for me though uh recently came out as uh bisexual so hello ladies oh it's finally here yes hello ladies by the way I'm I'm in the same camp but I, I <laughs> you're like just because I'm asexual doesn't mean I'm not also a bi <laughs> <laughs> well for me of my longest lasting relationships um are with women like unintentionally like you're my longest friend right yeah I mean I mean I would love I love you and I would die for you I just don't want to go to bed with you yeah we've got a great uh a great dynamic that like I would never want to ruin with with all the emotional baggage fluids 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 good yeah no I I always appreciated intellectual companionship and and the and the most important thing for me is a friendship and the core of any romantic or physical relationship is that intellectual relationship and so if you can find the intellectual relationship and don't desire like a physical relationship you you can find many people like that yeah so again so again dear listener I have come to this conclusion after many many thoughts <laughs> well it's all a journey for us isn't it well yeah like who knows who they are at like 18 right well, you have lived half your life by then mm-hmm. you know just thinking you have it figured out at that point you don't have it figured out at that point you don't uh was there anything that you wanted to read for us today ida no, but you know what? I do want to talk about. So, um, my friend Jessica sent me a research paper. All right. Recently. So, this is, let me actually pull it up because it is a doozy. So, um, are you familiar with the idea that older stories are actually telling a version of history? Are you familiar with that? Um, I'm not familiar with that, but it sounds accurate to me. (laughs) Okay, so um, let me start off with saying this. So the idea is that um, a lot of the myths, fables, fairy tales that we have come to know are actually telling pieces of history. So one of the best examples of this is if you read um, the Iliad. Iliad okay yeah so in the Iliad it's this huge war there's gods involved in everything 
But what literary scholars have decided on is that there was actually a war. Hmm. So, you know, and with these conclusions, they were able to go into Turkey and find Troy, find Ilya. They found the city. For real? That's crazy. It historically exists. What? I mean, also there was, um, I feel like there was an example of this, like with Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Yes. There's Romeo and Juliet. Yes, they did find um, in between. Yeah, Venice and another city, they found two corpses who were buried together um, with what what the um, anthropologists could deduce was that the girl was probably 16. But yeah. I believe I, it was, um, it says, they died young, archaeologists unearthed skeletons dating back to the late Neolithic period outside Mantua, 25 miles south of Verona. There we go. So, so actually the locations that they were talking about in Romeo and Juliet, they did find skeletons there that were holding each other. Right. So there are these examples of how our literary history is history. And this is before Herodotus. This is before people started documenting history as a chronicle, uh, like a chronological sequence. Um so the paper that was sent to me was a panel of um, distinguished literary professors. Because mm-hmm. I stopped pulling it up and I should have just pulled it up while I was talking to you guys. <laughs> oh no. I'm sorry. I apologize. Let me, let me go get it. <laughs> I sound like your mother, like, oh no. I Don't worry, I'll get it. <laughs> like stay in the car. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in five minutes. Or it's okay. I'll si- I'll sip my coffee. I do have coffee here with me. Uh, give your child coffee. What? Who, who would give their child coffee? Oh no! I actually have coffee right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm still on the bit. It's okay. I like the bit. The bit is good. Bit for <laughs> life. Bit for life. Okay. Did you find it? Yes, I have okay. it. I have it. Um. So it is the. And this is the title. The Collective Discoveries and Informations as Composited on the Clarion Nights, compiled by Dr. Anna Merkin, Dr. Simon Sose, and Dr. or Mr. Decker. Um, anyway, just a long list of names. I'm just gonna call it Merkin et al. I'm, I am cheating by using APA references. So, you know, that's the thing. Because <laughs> it's, it's like 50 names of like th- this whole panel of scholars arguing over this one text. And like, so she sent me this, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason she sent me it is because the opening paragraph is so sassy. It is so formal, but so sassy. I've read a lot of stuff like that. The romantics are surprisingly sassy. Oh, I hate the romantics. Sorry. It's okay. I'm not a big fan of the romantics either. So dear listener, you'll probably not hear much of the romantics from us. 
I mean, but I know a lot about them. So I might, I might, I might grill their asses. Yeah. We will grill them. Yeah. Because they were, they were, they were great artists. I'm not going to give them that, but also like they were fucking doing drugs in the woods. I can't go do drugs in the woods and be an artist all the time because of fucking capitalism. I just wish I could be the romantics. There are some of them who I genuinely like. Uh, But again, that's like three people out of all of them. And there's a lot of romantics. So a lot of them. Anyway, sorry. Back to this. So the opening, um, the intro paragraph to the paper is one of like the sassiest things. So I had to go. So I was asking my friend Jessica about it. Mm -hmm. And so the whole reason it's like this, apparently, is the dean of the university, who is who's the head of the department doing the study. Mm hmm was upset because all of the panelists were fighting with each other over this document. What? Yeah. So none of them came to a conclusion about the, like, about this. Okay. So canceled the program and they all decided to turn their anger at each other onto the dean. So this, this opening paragraph was actually rewritten from the original, like, drafts of it. I don't have the original drafts. I'm sorry, dear listener. But this drama is great, and I want to, I want to read you this opening paragraph. Okay, give us the drama. All right, here's the drama. <clears throat> we, the researching body, have compiled this collective with great pain and effort. After years of deliberation... Still, we could not come to a definitive agreement on the nature of these nights. Therefore, at the insistence of Dean Heston, we have finished the project. We have decided to first address the information we agree with. Then Dr. Merkin will provide her conclusion. Then Dr. Sose, Professor Kramer, and so on. A total of five conclusions have been prepared and submitted. If Dean Heston wishes to raise any objection to this, we will gladly return to the study, giving the subject our undivided attention. It is so freaking funny. He's like, uh, we'll return and give you our undivided attention. <laughs> it's like, damn, damn. They were so heated about this, this like topic. Um, so I don't have the original sources for this. I'm trying to get a hold of what they were referencing. Right. Um, so sorry, dear listener, I will endeavor to find out more. Um, but Jessica said she'd send me the an edited version. So this is a compilation of the documents that have been reformatted into um, a consumer market. So think about how there was the original Cinderella that was in German and then the Disney version. (laughs) I will be receiving the Disney version of whatever they're talking about. Um, I will try desperately to get the original sources for you, but I may not be successful. We'll see on that one. Um, Uh, But I would love to hear the the sources on that. I think that, I think that would be an interesting thing to come back to uh, if you get to get that stuff from Jessica. Yes. 
Um, I've currently been reading a book and you might be interested by the title. Um, it is called How and Why Women Should Rule the World. Ooh, this is fun. Um, it is a great read so far. I'm only in the preface. Um, I tried looking it up online to see if I could get you um, the title, like the accurate title and the, the writer, but looks like I'm not finding the title because it's, I picked it up in a small little bookshop while um, Brandon and I were in um, Sacramento. We stopped by this little bookshop, was very little dinky and small. And mm-hmm. I saw that book and I was just like, oh, I gotta get that book. <laughs> I gotta get that book. And no, so it, it, this is the same exact thing that happened when I told you I bought um, a hard copy hand paint like hand illustrated version of the arabian nights Mm. remember that one i mean not not to the same extent i would say so in in that same shopping trip i got um how and why women should rule the world Uh, Uh i think it was published by penguin books i'm not sure because penguin books is kind of selective on on what they'll you know that what they'll do but um Uh, but then I also got a beautiful, a gorgeous copy of the Prince. Ooh, ooh, like a, oof, like goes in a fancy bookshelf kind of copy of the Prince. Um, and I, I don't know if I kept it or if I gifted it to a friend, because sometimes what I like to do is if gift books that are very beautiful of copies of books that I enjoyed. Um, and the Prince is a good read, whether or not you believe that the Prince is, satire or a genuine handbook um it, it's still a great read it is a great read i have the um the dinky copy yeah basically i have like a the study copy <laughs> yeah no it has notes and stuff in it from like yeah i call those the study copies so you have yeah. your you know beautiful library by the fireplace with all your beautiful books that are eye candy um and then you've got your study copies that you, yeah. know, you have, you have your library copy and then you have your study copy. Yeah, they're all in my, um, they're all in my room right now. Mm-hmm. I moved. Um, we got new floors and stuff, so I just moved them all into my room. So now they're here. I look like one of those, like when you ever in like TVs or movies where you see somebody and they're like, oh yeah, they're, they're like a literary professor. And they've been murdered. And then you go into their apartment and it's just stacks of books from like the floor. This is you. Yeah, that, that's me right now. And I'm like, I think this is fate telling me I'm about to be murdered. Well, I will also be moving very soon. Um, finally got all of my documents ready to go. I'm transitioning between jobs and uh, it's going to be a good time. We're going to have a, whew, it's just, it, it's always nerve wracking when you're in this transition period. And so that's kind of where I am at right now. So I'm like scared out of my mind, but thankfully Ida and I have the time where we can pick up our podcast again um, and hopefully just continue doing it. But like I said, um, you're going to have to check out my website. Um, listeners, you're probably already familiar with my website if you found it, our podcast by now, but that's again, uh, www. Well, that's three W's three www.taffyart.com. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, do you have any recommendations this week? Yeah. Any media you know, recommendations? You know what? Go and listen to um, Caravan Palace. Like their music is great. I've been listening to them a lot. 
Um, do not watch the music video for Lonely Digger. It's like, not the one with the gazelle titties, is it? Yep, that's the one. I like that one personally, but I lo- um, no, I love it. But like, it takes away from the music because <laughs> it does. I mean, it's a distraction, but it's still yeah. good. It's um, like it. It is exactly like their music videos are so amazing especially the animated ones like um wonderland and um it's not coming to me right now but they're also beautifully done by the artists are there any new songs by caravan palace that you would recommend yeah so they came out with supersonic supersonic Uh, i haven't heard that one yet but i i am familiar with caravan palace because you had recommended them before supersonic Look at the music video because you're going to love the music video. It's, Ooh, I'm very excited. Yeah, the music video is gorgeous. Heck yeah. Yeah, you're going to enjoy that. I, I liked Super Song. Again, I I just watched that one. I listen to their music all the time. It's like the only thing on my Spotify. Um, so Ida knows this, um, but I'm a... I'm a big Star Trek fan now over the, over the pandemic, I've been binging Star Trek. Um, and I would like to recommend Star Trek, but it is a difficult thing to get into. I would instead recommend, um, there's a website. I think it's like called like, let's watch Star Trek. Let me look it up. So I get you the accurate. Yeah. It's called let's watch Star Trek.com. So, um, if you ever are interested in Star Trek, but you never want to go through watching every single episode, they rate every episode in all of the seasons on a zero to five scale. So zero is painfully bad, never worth watching. And five is one of the best episodes, classics. Um, and they also lay out. So um, I would say that TNG, The Next Generation. Um, so I've watched all of The Next Generation through uh, the pandemic it's a fantastic series. It's got some interesting sci-fi stuff. They have a list of episodes called The Essentials where you can watch 20 episodes and get the gist of the storyline. They're all fantastic episodes. You never have to sit through any of the snoozers, just 20 episodes to get the entire series under your belt. Um, so I highly recommend going to letswatchstartrek.com if you're interested in sci-fi stuff, but don't want to sit through the boringness of watching an entire series. <laughs> so that, that like reminds me because one of um one of the D and D um shows that I watch has just done something similar where they transitioned from um like one season to the next. And so they created like a compilation of here's what you need to know so you don't have to go back and watch all of the other episodes. Yeah, because the first like um, 20 episodes or so, for the most part in Star Trek The Next Generation are pretty skippable. Like you don't need to know them to get the characters. Um, I honestly didn't start watching Star Trek until season three because Brandon, my boyfriend, had started watching it. And then I started paying attention during season three. And I'm like, wow, this is actually very good. I actually really like this. And then I went back to season one and season two to start from the beginning. I was able to sit through it since I knew it was going to get good. But if I had started with any of those episodes, I would have not been watching that series. That is exactly my experience with um, 
Yu-Gi-Oh. So yeah. my cousin um, used to watch it. And you know how like there was that thing where girls weren't allowed to like boy stuff? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. You know, screw that. Those cards are pretty. All right. <laughs> they are pretty. You know, everybody who owned a G.I. Joe, you played with dolls. Okay. <laughs> you can't give me crap. Just because it's got muscles doesn't mean it's not a doll. Does not mean it's a, not a doll. Anyway, you can't give me crap for this one. <laughs> so, like, it started, like, season um, three, I think. And so, like, I started watching with him. Mm-hmm. And then I went back and I watched the older episodes. And that, um, that's when I had met you and you explained to me what anime is. <laughs> right. So I didn't realize that there was a Japanese version. Which the Japanese versions are always better. Always. Not in Yu-Gi-Oh's case, because it gets dark real really? fast. Oh yeah, the first couple ones, because it wasn't actually about the card game originally. He was mm-hmm. the king of games. So there's like a season zero in that's not released in the US. You will not find it in the US. Mm-hmm. But there's a season zero of Yu-Gi-Oh! where um, he he's kind of like um, a morality test. So he'll put you in the shadow realm. And this is Yu-Gi-Oh! The, the main character, dude. Mm-hmm. He will, he's the one who puts you in the shadow realm. He's the villain. Yu-Gi-Oh! Se- Yugi's sending people to the shadow realm. He's the villain. He does it in the very first episode. He does, doesn't he? Jesus Christ. He does it. He sends them to the shadow realm. And then you have to like show a test of like your morale. And if you fail, he'll psychologically torment you for the rest of your life. Holy fuck. What? Yeah, there's, there's a guy who gets his hand sliced off and is like trapped in this world where he's trying to like get a watch like a Rolex and the it is a wild time mm-hmm. it is Ugh. wild it is like if you're not an adult don't don't go watch it please but you can watch the the four kids version yeah <laughs> you can watch the the that the season one mm-hmm. you can watch that in Japanese just just don't be dumb like me and assume that you need to start from the beginning Oh, another thing I've been watching recently is I've been watching uh, season two of Twin Peaks. Ooh. It is very good so far. I am eight episodes in. Um, it is whack. I don't know if you've seen season one of Twin Peaks. Um, no. So I haven't seen any Twin Peaks property. Um, I recommend it. I recommend it. I think I think it's advanced enough that it's going to screw with your brain a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, well, because I, I already know what happens. Yeah, you're gonna love Agent Cooper though. Like, you're gonna adore him. Okay. Uh, you're just gonna attach to him and be like, okay, I only care about this character. Uh, except for like the two lovable, stupid people. You're gonna like Agent Cooper because he's like a by the book. Um, you know, like how comedy always has like the straight man. Yeah. Like he's like the straight man, but he's like earnestly good and like a fantastic main character. And it's so rare that we have characters like that. Like if he was in D, he would be like a true paladin like 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 um, not obnoxiously good but like wow like everybody likes this guy <laughs> like 
It's a good character. We, we need to do an episode on D&D and our feelings on it. Because check out next episode on D&D and our feelings on it because I'm working on a campaign right now and I'll be doing our first session um, very soon. So that'll be I'm fantastic so to talk about next week. Yeah. So um, I, I want to play with people, but I can't find anybody to play with. And it's always better in person. So as we wind down for the end of our broadcast, we would like to leave you, dear listeners, with those recommendations of, um, so are you recommending Yu-Gi-Oh! and Caravan Palace? <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! Okay, tentatively. <laughs> tentatively. Tentatively, dear listener, please be over the age of 18 when engaging with either property. <laughs> right. <laughs> like uh, I think drive responsibly here. I think I'm going to definitely leave a disclaimer in our podcast notes. Uh, But thank you for joining us today. We hope you join us next week and we can be found um, on my website. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And remember to let your mind wander in circles. Mm -hmm.